morning. It's great to see you all here this Sunday after Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining us online. Seems like every week I talk with someone that's watching us online, and we're so grateful that you're taking advantage of this ministry and being part of our body um, that way. Have you ever noticed, especially if you're getting a little bit long in years, that life seems to be full of leaving moments, I call them leaving moments? Um, this began to really occur to me as my kids were growing up. You put all this energy into them. I know that when their kids are young, you think it's never going to end. But it does. And then they grow up and they leave. <laughs> and it's good and it's healthy, right? For them to leave. But it's never the same. They're just not there that much. And they have the life of their own and you just don't have that same kind of uh, relational dynamic going on when they're at home with you. And then you have a, a holiday weekend like we just had, Thanksgiving, and I had a couple of my kids show up with uh, seven of the grandkids, and so it's chaotic for like two days. It's a great chaos. I call it fun chaos. I love it. And then they leave, and you're kind of left there going, ah, oh, that was fun. A little short, but really good to see them all again. And then I, I, in our culture anymore, most of us will have multiple jobs over the, uh, our lives, Unless you farm, right, Spencer? You're on the farm. But, you know, but I mean, I've had probably five or six different jobs over my lifetime. Um, and you form this community wherever you're at, and you get friendships, and you usually get connected really well to a church if you're a Christ follower. Hopefully that's the case. And you, you have all these dynamics going on, and then you, you leave, and you start all over again, and it's kind of a kind of sad. Uh, but one of the things I notice in all these leaving moments for me personally, they've been moments of deep reflection um, and introspection and considering what really matters in life and, and what am I on earth for. And I use those, those opportunities to do some self-examination. And, and I think that there, it can, you can get some good out of it, okay? Um, but I'm going to tell you that part of the reality of the culture we live in is it's a leaving culture. And if you're in college ministries, they leave. And when I was at Williston, one of the hardest things I had was I lived, I realized we were in a very trans, uh, uh, transition kind of culture. The oil field workers would come and go really fast. And so you might felt, develop a really good friendship with somebody. And two years later, they're moving on. Slumberjay's moving them on or Whitey's moving them on, right? You know, into a, different, into a different job or whatever. And so this is part of the culture. But one of the things I've tried to learn as a follower of Christ, is how to embrace those moments in a way that, that they're building me up instead of tearing me down. And it's interesting because we get to the end of, of our First Peter series this morning, at the end of our different series, and what we're going to see is that Peter is going to leave us with some departing words as this epistle ends. And it's really important what people say when they're departing. And those last words are oftentimes very, very meaningful. And that's the case here with this epistle. Um, what he's going to share with us today is incredibly important and, and, and meaningful. And we need to hear these departing thoughts. One of the privileges, and I would call it a, an honor that I've had as a pastor, is to be with people when they're passing from this life to the next. And hearing what they share, hearing what was important in their lives, seeing some of those goodbyes that they make with family members and witnessing some of that, it's, 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 it's life-changing. And it gives you a different perspective on what matters in life. I've never heard one of them say, I wish I would have worked more. 
all of them are really concerned about their loved ones knowing how much they love them and concerned about their spiritual well-being if they're a Christ follower. And you, 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 know, you, you, get, you get down to the, what really matters. And so we get to the end of First Peter, and he, like, like so many of the writers of the Bible, kind of rapid fires at us some really important thoughts as he finishes out this, this epistle. And, and we're going to read it now here in just a moment, but I want you to understand a big theme in this, this last uh, segment of First Peter is, is humility. So even as I read this to you today, listen with ears of hearing how much Peter shares about the importance of humility to the follower of Jesus Christ. Now remember, First Peter has been about finding our identity in Christ. And so as he departs, as he gives us these last words, he's telling us, hey, as a follower of Christ, humility matters tremendously. Uh, and so, so hear that now as I read First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. To the elders and to the flock, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, Submit yourself to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So, I frequently do this, and I'm going to continue to do this today, is I like to summarize verses like this into one big thought. It just helps me to have clarity and, and kind of get the gist of what is being shared. So if I had to put what we just read into one big thought, it would simply be this. Be humble and willing to serve Jesus. It's not complicated, is it? What Peter is saying here is, listen, be humble and be willing to serve Jesus. And there's some key verses here. I want us to read them out loud. They're the second half of verse 5 uh, through 7. And if you're at home, I want you to read this out loud with us also and participate in, in this reading, okay? So here we go. We're going to read this section of the Bible out loud together loudly so it doesn't feel awkward, amen? And, and, and just listen to what it says here. And if you're at home, um, I would expect you to read along with us also. Here we go. All of you... Clothe yourself with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. So we see here in this scripture, humility just permeates the last words of 1 Peter. 
So of all the things he could end with, of all the things he could finish this epistle with, Peter elects to finish it on the topic of humility. It must be very important for him uh, to do that. And much of the language of, of even the beginning part of what I read to you is really a language of humility. So what I want to do is just talk through the categories that he's given us to the mature, the elders, to the young, and then to everybody. I'm just going to follow along exactly how he put it down here in scripture. And I just want to expand on that just a little bit. So to the mature, to the elders, um, here's characteristics such ones are to manifest. So now let's not get hung up on elders being elders in a church, like a governance. Peter is speaking in, in regards to if you're an older follower in Christ, a mature follower in Christ, it doesn't mean you have to be like 70 years old. It means you've been following Christ for a while and you're mature in your faith. Here are some expectations for you. One, shepherd God's flock. You're an under-shepherd to the chief shepherd. You've got to see yourself that way. A shepherd serves his or her sheep. Okay? If you're a mature follower of God, you have to develop and purpose a heart of shepherding towards others. Now, I've shared some of these stories before, but we had a little acreage when we were here in the 90s, and we had some sheep. And one thing about sheep is they're not very manageable, and they're not very bright. And oftentimes what you have to do is almost protect them from themselves. So we had these sheep on this acreage, and we had a critical mistake made. My kids adopted one as a pet, which I found out later you never want to do with a farm animal. And so they, they had a name for this sheep. I can't remember what his name was, but he was a little lamb. And they treated him almost like a dog or something. And they would take him around the yard with him on a leash and that kind of stuff. And I remember thinking, I don't think this is good. One day that little lamb got out of the, out of the um, pasture because he was little. He just went right through the wires. And he headed right to the rabbit cages. We had a row of rabbit cages elevated off the ground, you know, so everything could drop on the ground. And he sat under there and ate all that junk, all the rabbit droppings and all the food that had fallen out of their, out of their little dish, right? Two things very bad there. Don't eat rabbit droppings, right? Amen. And don't eat rabbit food if you're a sheep. Well, he just gouged himself, or gorged himself on this stuff, right? He got tremendously sick. I mean, grossly sick. Stuff you should never have to see was happening to this little lamb. So I'm feeling bad for my girls because they're very attached to this little lamb. And so we call a vet. And the vet is a, is a friend of the family, sort of. And we kind of knew him through some of our schooling situations and stuff. And so he comes to me and he, and he says to me that night, I remember this because it was kind of cold. It was late at night. And we're all looking at this little lamb. And he says to me, Steve, you've got to understand something about sheep. They're either dead or alive. There's no in-between with sheep. I go, this is not good, is it? And he goes, this one, friend, is dead. I said, oh, boy. And he was right. By the morning, that lamb was dead. And I learned a couple things. One is this. Don't ever have a pet lamb, right? Kind of avoid it. But, but the other thing is, I, 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 I think of that, of that, how lambs need to be protected from themselves. They just don't know any better. And so... Peter is writing to these mature followers of Christ, and he says, listen, shepherd the flock. And what he's saying by this is, care about those who don't know any better yet. Be concerned about the new followers in me. 
Shepherd them, watch over them, protect them. Oftentimes they don't even know what's up yet. You take that responsibility uh, among yourself. Be burdened by it. Be consumed by it. It should be part of your outlook. Look for ways to pray for the flock. Encourage the flock. And, 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 and be an example uh, for such ones of what it means to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, right? It's not just me that's called to do that. It's not like Brennan or Ben or Dave or any of the pastors. Huh? If you're mature in Jesus Christ, listen to me. You are called to have this shepherding outlook. And you are called to protect. Amen? And to nurture and to pray for and to watch over others in Christ. It's the calling of the mature. This time of year we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We do it by the Advent observation. And uh, I always find it fascinating uh, the announcement of the angels that it was made to shepherds first. Shepherds in that culture were considered lowly. It was not an esteemed profession. And God chooses to reveal himself to the lowly, to the humble, to the ones having this profession that wasn't highly esteemed. That's who he manifests himself to first. And that's how God works. He works through the humble and through the lowly. And it's interesting to me that Peter says, of all analogies and of all the things he could say, he says, be a shepherd. You got to understand what he's saying here is be lowly, be humble. Follow hard after me. Be eager to protect those around you. Be consumed with concern for them. Shepherd the flock. And it's not going to be glamorous at times. Because sometimes you won't be appreciated and they won't even understand that you're trying to help them. But shepherd the flock. Think about how God throughout the Bible uses people who are humble. Moses, inarticulate, a reluctant leader, has to have his brother Aaron be a spokesperson for him. And he's called the most humble man that walked on the face of the earth and God worked mightily through him and he becomes one of the big hitters when you think about ancient Bible figures. Then you think about David, this king after God's own heart. He was a shepherd boy. He wasn't supposed to be a king. He wasn't firstborn. He's way down in the birth order, right? And he, everything about him said he shouldn't have been in that leadership position. But God raises up the lowly and the humble. And he could see the heart of David. But think about Saul. Even, even Saul, he flamed out. He didn't do real well as the first king of Israel. But when he starts his kingship and they're trying to find him to anoint him, he's hiding in the luggage. And you're going to see this humbleness, at least to start with. But think about Jesus Christ. He comes. He gives the first sermon on the mount. His first really public address of significance, right? And he begins the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, and he begins with these things called the Beatitudes. It means beautiful ways of behavior. That's how I always remember Beatitudes, beautiful ways of behavior. And he begins with this first Beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Of all things he could begin with, he begins with this. He's saying, you're blessed if you're poor in spirit. And poor in spirit means I understand I have a poverty in my soul. That, that needs to be satisfied only by God. And he's saying, Jesus is saying, if you're one who understands your poverty of soul, blessed are you because you're going to inherit the kingdom of God. You're going to see God move mightily in your life. And so what Peter does here is just continues a theme that's all throughout the Bible. He ends his epistles talking on the topic matter of what? Humility. And how important it is to be a humble uh, servant. So as as a mature follower, 
Shepherd God's people humbly. Another characteristic the mature art of manifests is this. Be eager to serve. Be eager to serve. Don't just serve. Do it with eagerness. Look for ways to bless others. See beyond yourself and look to the needs of others. That, friends, is humility in action. I'm looking for ways to bless somebody else. Philippians 2 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. See them mature or eager to serve. You know what saddens me? Is some of the ones who get mature say, I've done enough, I'm going to quit. Now someone else can take over. And I'm going, yeah, but that's just not biblical. The more mature you are in Jesus Christ, the more you say, should say, how do I serve? How, how can I help others? And you should be eager to do that. I, I, I just want to challenge you that way. Because I remember, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little older and I don't, I don't want to do certain things at times. I'm thinking, no, I need to be eager to serve. Because that's Christ-like. And then... I always take this one to heart. Next, Peter tells the mature to manifest this characteristic. Do not lord your position over others. And I love how he just states it. Don't lord it over others. Um, Don't demand respect or honor. But rather by your example of godliness, illustrate who you are in Jesus Christ. Which brings us to one last characteristic uh, I think we want to highlight about the mature, okay? And it's this. Um, Be an example. Be the first to sacrifice. Be the first to serve. Be the first to pray. Be the first to encourage. Be the first. Be eager. Be an example. And do you see here how Peter's words to the elders, to the mature, really are words of humility? and how to live a humble faith before uh, your God. And then he just plain out says it. You just, you can't miss it now. It gets pretty obvious. Uh, He goes and he switches gears and he says, now to the young. Most likely young in your faith, okay? To the young. Be submissive to the elders, to the mature. Now here's how I would state this. Receive the wisdom of, of life experience of those who have gone before you. Learn vicariously. Learn from the example of others. You shouldn't have to learn everything firsthand. Learn from other people's examples, especially those who have gone before you and are mature in their faith and have thought it through and are self-aware and can share with you what's going on a little bit. You know, um, I have, I'm fond of saying this statement, and this is not by any means a criticism of anybody, Okay. But time hasn't made all of us equal. Oftentimes, there are people who have done a lot of life. And if it's done rightly in the Lord Jesus Christ with evaluated experience, they have a lot of wisdom. That maybe if you're a younger follower in Jesus Christ, you just haven't had life experience yet to have experienced all that stuff. And this is what is kind of the, uh, the gist of what, what Peter's saying here. is If you're young, learn from some of these folks. Talk to them, listen to them, and, and, and learn vicariously, you know, and that's what I think he's meaning when he says submit to the elders among you. One of the things that I've seen going on here, and the pandemic really hi- highlighted some of this, is that we don't have good generational communication going on. And, um, and it just kind of, I, I felt bad for some of the young 
who haven't gone through much in life yet. Can you imagine being a freshman in college and you're doing it remotely? You've never faced a pandemic in your life. You're not equipped to do that. It's just nerve-wracking and full of anxiety. And the last thing, it it doesn't help for someone older to say, well, just just buck up. That doesn't help anything. They have never had that experience yet. And I remember when we started going into some of this thing and talking with Vicky, you know, and I remember thinking, okay, wow, we've been through this thing with Vietnam, I did. I was real concerned about getting drafted. I've been through the stress of that. Some of you remember that? Some of you served in Vietnam. And then we had this great recession of the 80s. Do you remember that? Gas lines. I remember thinking, well, I'll get a job. What will happen? I had a little girl at that point, and, and I mean, I had debt, and I'm going, oh my goodness, I need a job. I remember praying, so our Lord Jesus, give me a job, give me a job somewhere, you know, where I can do okay, and I got a great job, by the way. And then you go along, and you have all these little hiccups. I remember 9-11, oh my goodness. Watching the Twin Towers, I, I remember watching, I was at work, watching into my office on TV, I said, I cannot believe this is happening right now. I cannot believe they just ran planes into the, into the trade centers and they come toppling down. Do you remember that? And, and, oh man, I had 70 people at church that night just spontaneously come and say, we just need to pray, we just need to pray. And it lasted about three days and then everybody got back to normal because it was so remote. It was in New York. It didn't really hit the Midwest, you know? I had all this life experience of going through these things, right? So we get this pandemic, I'm going, oh, this is bad and it's not good and I don't like being at home, but we'll be okay. God will see us through this thing as he's seen us through things in the past. See, if mature people are living their faith rightly, they have that perspective and they can impart it to other people. We'll be okay. Let's trust in God. Let's get together, people of God, right? But what I saw was a great disconnect happening. Everybody was on their own. Part of the pandemic lends itself to this great disconnect. And no wonder anxiety went off the charts and everybody, and no wonder the ones who have never had the experience are panicking. Why? They don't have any life experience with it yet, right? And so what I'm, I'm saying is here, when it says to those who are young, be submissive to the elders, if the elders are doing what's right and they're mature in Jesus Christ and encouraging and praying for and protecting, uh, the younger ones should feel safe and secure to come in, in the faith and talk and say, uh, and have that interaction and have that mutual encouragement happening, Amen. Church, this is what we need to do. We don't do it on our own. We do it together. I had a lot of long conversations with my kids when we were going through this. I call them kids. I mean, they're like 40 down to 27. They're adults, you know. We talked an awful lot on this and how to handle it and how to deal with it and all that kind of stuff, okay? So, Receive the wisdom of life experience of those who have gone before you. I still do this. Learn vicariously. Hey, you know what? If I don't know how to fix something in the car, I go to YouTube, if nothing else. Amen? Right? You don't have to know anything anymore. Just YouTube it. It shows exactly what to do. I just did that the other day. I'm looking at putting in a new fuel injector in my, my car to go, oh, this is super easy. All you got to do is put the little, put your iPad down under your car and just put the video on and do it. Some of you are going, I don't know about that. Okay, well, whatever. I think it's easy, but whatever. It's super easy. Um, Then to everyone, Peter says, clothe yourself with humility. Just categorically. The body of Christ should be clothed with humility. Now, this first Advent Sunday, um, we begin to celebrate the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Um, And one of the things I think we highlight today is that, you know, 
God's among us, right? Uh, and he fulfilled all this prophecy of being among us. And Jesus is the ultimate example of being clothed with humility. Because think about it. He's in heaven. He's eternal. He has no beginning and end, okay? You understand some of this basic theology, right? And, and he's got the adoration of angels. He's got the adoration of all the heavenly hosts. He's, he's renowned and he's, and, and, and he's worshipped and praised as he should be. And then he leaves all that. And puts on the limitation of flesh. I can't imagine that. We can't, even, we can't even wrap our minds around it. We have no perspective to even begin to understand what that was like. And then he comes to people uh, to, 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 to die for their sins. But he came knowing that he would be misunderstood and mistreated by the very ones he came to save. Do you not think that was the grandest act of humility ever? Absolutely. He humbled himself. He put on humility. Listen to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. It really gets after this. I'll read this. But use this as kind of an adoration moment of Christ. Kind of worship him as I, as I read this. But just hear how, how Christ humbled himself to become our Savior and to save us from our sins. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue and knowledge that Jesus is cur- Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we see that Christ is basically the ultimate example of clothing oneself with humility. And on this first Advent Sunday, uh, 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 you know, leading up to Christmas, we, we are to remember that, that Christ came and dwelt among us, but it was an act of humility. So I really have divided today into uh, three pieces or four or whatever. If you're trying to follow along, it's not going to be super linear, but um, that's okay. So basically, we're to the end of the message. And we're going to switch gears just a little bit here. But I want to, before we leave the message, I want a, a reflection moment with you. I think this is really important. Um, we've been handing out the books for you to use for study guides. I have all this built into them too. And I've been including it in, in the messages. So as Pastor Aaron, as we talked with you. And so here this morning, I want you to reflect on what does it mean to clothe yourself with humility? What does it mean for you personally? If you walk out of here without having that consideration, then you've missed it. How would it look for you to be a person clothed in humility? To look like Jesus? To think about others first? To be concerned about their welfare? Not be only concerned with your own self-interest, but being concerned with the interests of others? How can you start today to clothe yourself with humility? Secondly, why do you think Peter says, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand? And then immediately says, cast your anxiety on him. Do you think the two are linked? You should be nodding your head yes. If you're feeling anxious, perhaps you need to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Depend on him more and even admit, I'm anxious because I'm worried about things I can't control. Or I'm worried about things I shouldn't worry about. Or I'm consumed with things that I don't have the uh, wherewithal to really manage. And so I'm going to humble myself under you, God, and admit that I have this issue, have this anxiety, and I, I, I'm taking on something evidently I can't handle. Amen? And you can start there by dealing with that kind of issue. So our message summary today is simply this. Humility is essential to experience a healthy identity in Jesus. 
Because when you're humble, it begins to give a frame of reference in your life. First of all, to receive Christ as your Savior. You've got to be humble. You've got to admit, I'm a sinner. I need Christ, right? It's a humble thing. You're at the end of yourself. You can't fix yourself. You need to be fixed by God. And God sent Jesus to save us. So basically, without humility, you can't be saved. You have to get to this place of great understanding of your need of Jesus Christ. But then on top of that, I think this is where we sometimes don't understand. Humility says, I can't transform myself either. Once I'm born again, I need the interactive work of the, of the Holy Spirit in my heart. I need God doing things in me I cannot do myself. And when God brings up those things that you're not doing very well, you've got to say, yeah, okay, amen. I receive that, God. And there's this humility that's the framework that God hangs his transformative work on in our lives. And if we're not, see, essentially what causes God to quit moving in your life is pride. And we don't like to say it that bluntly, but it is. Whenever I find myself being distant from God, I feel like, okay, I'm being prideful. I'm thinking I can do my life on my own. I don't do very good at that. How about you? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So now let's switch gears. Okay? That's kind of the end of the message, but we're not done yet today. All right? Peter wraps up this epistle with thoughts on the idea that we're in a war. That the believers categorically, generally, collectively, are at war with the devil. And Peter has equipped us to know who we are in Christ. He spent his epistle telling us, this is your identity in Jesus Christ. But then he ends by saying, oh, by the way, you are in a massive warrior. You're, you're not alone in this war either. We're, we're uh, in, in this battle with people all around the world. We're all engaged in this war together. And we, we've got to understand, whether we want to be in the battle or not, we are in the battle, amen? And we've been equipped to... Uh, to, uh, to, to, to know who we are in Christ and be able to stand firm. But here's what I take your comfort in, okay? I just want, to, I want you to hear this, okay? Just whatever you think is stop and hear this. We know the end of the story. We know that Christ is victorious. If you haven't read the end of Revelation for a while, just read it today. The kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he's going to reign forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. We know the end of the story. And that's why we can live this life entirely differently. All right? So if I had to have a different series summary for, for just summarizing the whole series today, I would say this. We know the end. And that changes everything. Now, I promise not to use very many more football stories. But I've got to give one today because it's, it's so applicable here. All right? Um, a couple weeks ago, the Vikings had a kind of an interesting game with the Bills. Anybody watch that game? Yeah, it, it was quite the game. So I did what I normally do. I record the game beforehand. Because that way, being a Viking fan for a long time in my life, if they don't do well, I just don't watch them. <laughs> that way, they don't set my mood for the day. Right? Amen? Anybody here with me on that? So that day, we were recording the Vikings, like normal, and, and I've been finding that in, in this Peter series that I've been having a lot of conversations with people after services. So that particular Sunday, I was here till 1.30 uh, talking with several people about some things that are a lot more important than a football game, okay? So I get done, I go home, and then I sit down and eat dinner with Lydia, Vicky, and myself, and then we're going to watch the football game. Well, that, by that point, it's like after 2 o'clock, 
And the game's well underway, you know, getting towards the end of the game, in fact. And so um, we get start watching the game, Vicky and I, together. And, you know, I'm kind of in the game. Like, you know, Sunday afternoon, you know what it's like, right? Kind of like, uh, yeah, I'm a little tired. And then Bree sends us a picture of her watch. And they're at the end of the game now because they're watching live in Cedar Falls. And their watch says, heart rate 126. And I go, is Bree working out or what? You know what I mean? I think he goes, no, look at the rest of the, uh, look at the rest of the note. She said, the game's kind of stressful. <laughs> it, it, you want to watch the end of this game, right? And I'm going, oh, okay. So now I'm kind of perking up and saying, oh, we'll watch this game. You know, and since Bree's heart rate's up so much, it must be a good game, right? So we get to the end of the game. Oh, my goodness. They lost and won that game like four or five times in the last couple of minutes, right? Anybody remember that? Now nah, they win. Oh, now nah, they lost. Now nah, they win. Now nah, you know. And, and so then they get to overtime. I'm, I'm, now I'm getting super anxious. Anybody get anxious? I don't know why I'm getting anxious. I don't want to get anxious because I don't want to care that much, right? So finally, I did something I hardly ever do. I went upstairs to the bedroom and I got my phone and I said, who won the Vikings game? Because <laughs> I didn't want to be that anxious. And it said, the Vikings won. I said, oh. So then I went down. I was so relaxed. I thought, yay, they won. You know, and I'm watching, and I remember the Bills cheering like crazy. I go, you poor saps, you have no idea. <laughs> you lose. You lose today, you know. But even, even, <laughs> it's terrible to admit this, all right. Now you know what kind of fan I am. But at any rate, uh, I like to just go to the ending and not skip all the stuff in between. Um, but at any rate, I find myself even being a little nervous, even watching it, knowing the end, I had to remind myself, had to remind myself several times, well, we win the game. We win the game. See, Christ followers, Christ wins. Amen? It makes all the difference in the world. Sometimes we might get a little nervous. We still might struggle sometimes. But days like today when we celebrate Advent, part of the reason we're doing this is to remind ourselves of the victor that we serve of what happens in the end. It makes all the difference in how we approach life and how nervous we get and anxious we get because we know who our Savior is. And it should be this calming, self-controlling kind of, you know, influence in our life because we know our Jesus and we know how the story ends. Um, and so today what we're going to do is we're going to light the hope candle. It's the first Sunday of Advent. And the hope candle is a reminder that Christ came fulfilling all kinds of prophecies. Um, in fact, I'm going to read one that he fulfilled. It's Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verse 6, which says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So when we write this candle, what we're doing is we're affirming our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has come. He's fulfilled all kinds of prophecies, just like God said he would. But we live on the other side of that fulfillment, don't we, here? And so, even as we light this candle reminding us that we have great hope in God, a certain hope, we're also saying, we know the end of the story. We know that, that Jesus is going to come back just the way he came. In fact, I love how Acts uh, makes this known to us. Acts chapter 1, um, Christ ascends uh, uh, in, in, in the front of the apostles. And I would do what they did. I'm, I would sit there and stare up at the sky like, oh boy, he's gone. What now? You know what I mean? And so, two men in white show up, which are angels, and they, they said, Men of Galilee, well, how do you stand here looking in the sky? This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go to heaven. 
So what they're saying is, he's going to come back again. So even as we light this hope candle today, you know, acknowledging that Christ fulfilled all these prophecies in his incarnation, we also are saying, we hope in his return. We know the end of the story. And that brings us great confidence. And that brings us peace of heart. So even as I, I light this candle today, I want to encourage you, renew your hope in Christ. Just let it percolate. Because even as I was watching that game and I knew the end of it, every now and then I had to remind myself, <laughs> they're going to win. This is a, a, a reminder. In Christ, all things are going to come to a good end. Amen? For those who love him. And we have to just constantly remind ourselves of that. So as I light this candle today, remind yourself of that. We're going to end today real simply. Um, Peter ends with a benediction. And a benediction just means a bestowing of a blessing at the end of a religious uh, service or letter. So his epistle ends with this benediction. And I want to read it as a benediction, as a last thought to the series and, and to this day's message. And so basically, 1 Peter um, chapter 5, verses 10 and 11 are a benediction. So receive it as a blessing from Peter to you today. Okay, listen to what he says. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So I want to encourage you, ask yourself those final questions. What are the big takeaways from this series that you're going to do life differently because of First Peter? How has your identity in Jesus been clarified and strengthened by the teaching of 1 Peter? Think about those things. We're going to pray, and then I'm going to turn the service back over to Pastor Kyle. Would you bow your heads? Look, I want to thank you for 1 Peter this day and for this ending uh, on this note of humility. God, I pray that all of us here would clothe ourselves with humility as uh, Peter exhorts us to do in these ending words of, of his epistle. May we uh, understand, Jesus, that you're the ultimate example of humility. You came, you clothed yourself in humility. You became as, as, as one of us um, so that we can relate to you and understand God better. And we thank you for that, Peter. And we pray that in, a, in response to that, uh, we would clothe ourselves in humility and be a servant also. And looking uh, to bless others um, by our interaction with them, by, by, uh, by our words and by our deeds, Lord. May we just mimic you, Jesus. Uh, we love you so much. Thank you that uh, we know the end of the story, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that in you we're more than conquerors. And so be strong in our midst, Jesus. Fill us with a, anew with the Holy Spirit and let our hope be a certain hope as we look forward to your return, Jesus. And knowing that as promised, you're going to return just as, as you left. And, and we pray these things in your name, Jesus, and by your blood. Amen.